Welcome to season two, episode four. We are continuing our series on lessons from the wilderness. Hello, my father. Hello, daughter. Good to be together. Always. Yes. And I we're both wearing blue, so matchy matchy today. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm <laughs> trying. This is a It's a good color. It's, it, it, and you're very bright and happy. I like it. So, today's icebreaker. Sweet or savory? Uh, yeah, I wish uh uh I could say otherwise, but I'm definitely a sweet guy. <laughs> <laughs> you are a sweet yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I I know whenever people ask me that, I my instinct is that I'm probably am sweet, but then I think about things like my favorite fruit is salted grapefruit. That feels like more of a savory thing in terms of sweet things. I don't know, but I'm but I mean sweet. I'll actually say, I don't don't know why I want to bring this up, but I was with a friend one time and she was making oatmeal, and she made a savory oatmeal. And, you know, we talk about when, when we talk about brain science and seeing things for the first, you know, like your mirror nar- neurons. I was like, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? How did that I've happen? only ever made sweet oatmeal. Yeah. And- I, yeah, but I will I will say it's uh, like my favorite entrees are, are, are like these very savory sauces on them. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, by and large. Yeah. Definitely got a sweet tooth. Yeah. So- <laughs> sweet is good. Uh, if you are with us on YouTube, let us know in the comments. Are you sweet or savory? All right, Father. Last week, we talked about the 11 signs, um, more commonly known as the 10 plagues. And the last sign is Passover. So this episode, we're going to talk more about Passover. It's extremely significant, historically, symbolically, religiously, all the things. So let's start narratively. What happened? So what happened? The uh, so this is the final plague, or as they're typically called in English. Or so this is the last sign, and uh, this one is totally separate from all the other. Right? We said there were eleven because it starts with the snakes, and you got three, 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 and now we get to Passover. And Passover clearly stands apart because it's not just uh, a sign, but it is introducing. Uh, the climactic event. It's introducing the most theologically significant part of this, and it is uh, establishing a practice, right? This is going to become a festival for um, the rest of time. It says right in the text, you know, do this forever. Mm-hmm. And which is interesting because, um, as we're going to see, you know, there's a lot of overtones to this, not only theologically, but uh, uh, related to emotional healing. And I think that when it comes to the uh, the Passover in the text is um, it's a couple of uh, of highlights. First of all, uh, things that I, I was reading through this again recently, and it just hit me. It's like, how did I ever miss this? But it's like, it could either be a sheep or a goat. And that just never occurred to me, because we're so used to, you know, Jesus is going to separate the sheep from the goat someday. Mm-hmm. That well, goat, and it's the Passover lamb. and the, the Passover lamb, and that, you know, surely goats are evil somehow. But, you know, that's not actually true, right? This just And so it, that was it just means it's got to be one year old. Run your old either a sheep or a goat, and it's also interesting that built into this is a uh, an element of taking care of one another at a community level. So, if your family couldn't afford a lamb, right, then your wealthier neighbor to the side was supposed to include your family. And also, you weren't supposed to go cheap on this. Like, uh, you were supposed to actually measure out what is a proper portion of lamb. You weren't supposed to waste the lamb. You weren't supposed to go, you know, really short on it. It was, there's very specific things about this. And uh, the whole, uh, it was 
but it was the event that was going to get the people of, of Israel out of Egypt. And I think most of us know that story. So I won't go into too much more of it. Okay. Yes. Read it for yourself if you want the, the full narrative. It's a, a grand unfolding story. Um, symbolically, then, this is a story of... So symbolically, we've been talking about, you know, the wilderness of mediocrity theme where Egypt represents slavery. It represents abuse, right? It represents all the hardship of the world. And so Passover is the escape from slavery, right? That is the uh, God gets you out of it. There comes an end. And I think of, uh, you know, people I've known who were, you know, religiously uh, <laughs> It's going to sound bad, but you know their their families were generational Satanists, mm. and so there were times where th- the abuse they went through didn't stop until they escaped from their home, and so there was this escape when things stopped. Now uh, there were other times where people finally got old enough they were able to stand up and put a stop to some things, but it's uh, there is this idea of the Passover as a picture of escape, a picture of rescue, a picture of the uh, the beatings for stopping, so to speak, you know, the evil things are, are not going to happen anymore. And so uh, there is this sense of, of amazement, like what is it that brings this to an end, that brings the slavery to an end? And some of us, when we think about emotional healing, that's all we think about. We think, okay, how do we get this to stop? And once that stops, you know, I'm good. I don't care if I get anything else. But God has this much fuller picture where he not only wants to get you out of that situation, we then get to this idea that what's happening in the Passover is what's referred to throughout Scripture as the day of the Lord. And there are there is a coming the day of the Lord at the end of the age, but there are many what we call days of the Lord. And, a, and any day of the Lord uh, is a day when God is intervening it's sometimes called his visitation. Right? God visits. So when God visits, it is good news and bad news, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so when God visits, it is good news for those who are being abused and those who are being oppressed and those who are, you know, are, are, are suffering at the hands of injustice. It is bad news for those who are oppressing the poor. It is bad news for those who are, you know, doing the abusing. Mm-hmm. So I sometimes think of of all days of the Lord as this two-sided coin, right? And on the one side of the coin, there is fire, right? There is judgment. And on the other side of the coin, there is salvation. So it's the same exact picture that you see on Passover. And that is for the Egyptians, this was really bad news. And uh, what's interesting is the text connects it directly to the gods of Egypt, like bad news for the gods of Egypt, you're going down. And there's bad news for the people of Egypt, bad news for Egypt as a as an entity, but it was good news for those whom they had been oppressing uh, because they were able to escape. Mm. So this is our our first big salvation experience in this in this journey. Yeah, this is yeah. a uh, big salvation experience. Obviously, it's going to climax at the Red Sea, which we'll talk about, I think, next week. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. So, so then, theologically, what are we learning about salvation from from this story? So, you know, theologically, what there are a lot of images built into Passover, right? And uh, first one is it's a lamb, and uh, that immediately makes us think of Jesus. And in fact, the Apostle Paul says very clearly in 1 Corinthians that Christ is our Passover lamb. I think it's 1 Corinthians 5-7. So it says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been 
has been sacrificed. And it's interesting then that Jesus was sacrificed essentially at the very end of the day, um, which in Jewish culture would have been around 6 p.m. And if you think about it, that's right around twilight. Well, it says in the text that the lamb was to be sacrificed at twilight. And so there are all these layers of images that connect what was happening with Passover to Jesus, including this idea of Jesus being a substitute. So there is the idea that the blood of the Passover lamb is what created salvation from wrath. And in the same way, there is a, or probably more accurately, uh, salvation from destruction. Hmm. So it says they just, the, the Lord was going, himself was going to go through the land. He would see where there was blood, and when he saw blood, he would pass over the house. In the same way, when Jesus, uh, when we are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, there is blood that marks us. And God sees the mark, and he says, okay, destruction will not come to this one. So we are saved from destruction. That doesn't always mean God's angry at somebody. It means that they are under the judgment of destruction. So what's really fascinating about this is this idea of grace, right? It's a wonderful picture of grace. And uh, I'm going to jump ahead to another story in the in the Old Testament of Mephibosheth. Yeah. Can you say Mephibosheth? I have trouble with that one. <laughs> Mephibosheth. There you go. Yeah, that word. So, the, uh, <laughs> so Mephibosheth um, was the son of Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan was David's best friend. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting in that story is that uh, David says, is there anybody from Saul's house, right, that I can show uh, favor to? And essentially, Mephibosheth is given Saul's estate. He's given uh, a place at David's court. He's given a place at David's table, meaning he's, you know, provided for for the rest of his life from government funds. And... Uh, here he is, all these wonderful blessings are given to Mephibosheth. And here's the question, did Mephibosheth do anything to earn it? Mm-hmm. You know, nothing. He was simply the son of David's good friend, Jonathan. And David and Jonathan had entered a covenant together. And uh, so on the basis of grace, right, that uh, simply because he was, in a sense, in Jonathan, right, because he was in Jonathan, he got all of these blessings, in the same way that we in Christ get all of these blessings and they're given to us by grace. Well, the Passover, Passover is also a picture of this, right? So Passover is this idea that that God sees the blood, sees the mark, if you will, and that's all it takes. It, it, there's no investigation. Like, are they, well, are the people in there really living worthy? I mean, are they really in there? It's like, no, is the blood covering this or not? And it, it helps us understand that this is what's happening with, with Jesus as well. So there's this theological significance to the, the whole thing that is really comes out clearly when we begin to understand what the blood of Jesus does for us and uh, what it means for him to be the Lamb of God. Mm. I love that you brought up Mephibosheth. Um, oh, so many good things. So what do you see the Passover doing then as setting up for the rest of the healing journey? So. Passover is the start of the healing journey, right? Mm-hmm. So when they get out of Egypt, they're still victims, right? They still have that victim mindset, and their identity is slave. Now, they've just been broken, like that slavery has been set free. This is their emancipation proclamation, if you will. And they are uh, leaving where they have been enslaved, and they're going someplace else. So this is the start of the journey. 
And what we're going to see in the journey, though, is that while they are no longer technically slaves, they still think like slaves and they still act like it. And one of the things that God's going to do, he's going to take them out into the wilderness and he's going to take them into boot camp. And if you think about the purpose of boot camp, right, one of the main purposes is to tear down one identity and build another one. And it is to stop thinking like a civilian and start thinking like a soldier. In the same way, uh, the Israel's boot camp is going to the per- one of the purposes is to break them of this slave mentality, this victim mentality. In fact, I've heard people talk about a victim spirit mm-hmm. that often goes with people who have been abused. And it's this idea that says, I am not worthy, I am less than, I am defined by what's wrong with me. Um, in extreme cases, this can turn into a form of narcissism mm-hmm. because what happens is you actually define yourself by your problems. So I think Jim Wilder would call this skunk narcissism, yeah. right? Yeah. So skunk narcissists uh, are like, I am special, but the thing that makes me special are my problems. Mm-hmm. And so what can happen with a victim spirit is that I'm afraid to get over my problems. I'm actually afraid to get healing because that's actually what gives me my identity. Mm-hmm. So what are some practical takeaways that people can take away from? <laughs> from... Practical takeaways to take away. Yes. Uh, hopefully they this, keep them, but okay. This is the, the Department of Redundancy Department. Yeah. yeah. The uh, practical takeaways on uh, the Passover thing. First of all, I think it's just understanding grace, understanding what Christ actually did for us is a, a beautiful picture of that. And one of the reasons it's an eternal, co- you know, it's an eternal practice. It's an eternal sign is uh, because it points so clearly to Christ and what he did that it goes on forever. And so as Christians, every time we take communion, at some level, we are remembering Passover as well. And that's because it's the blood of the lamb that is the heart of both things. So practical takeaways are it helps us theologically think through what Christ did for us. It helps us um, understand that God does want to rescue us from things. He doesn't want to leave us in in a place of persecution forever. And uh, it's going to look different for different people, but uh, there is a, uh, God is a God who saves and delivers and rescues. And the, the Passover story is the ultimate example of that kind of salvation. Huzzah. Well, I just want to take a moment to um, invite our listeners, if you ever have any questions or um, icebreaker ideas or um, testimonies and stories of um, how you're using the podcast or how the podcast has helped you, um, I am inviting you to check out the the uh, On the Trail mailbox, which is uh, there's a, a link where you can submit that feedback and I'll have that posted in descriptions and my Monday emails. If you're not um, already receiving my Monday emails, you can sign up for the Deeper Walk um, email list. And every Monday I send out a podcast email with um, you know, encouragement. So yeah, Father, uh, any closing thoughts for this episode? Well, you know, one of the things we're doing by walking through this journey is just want to come back to the idea that God is a God who heals and he is a God of redemption. And one of the things we know is we all have hardship in this life. We all go through hard things. And what we understand is whether it's the creation account itself, which is basically a redemption story, whether it's the Passover story, God keeps embedding this theme of redemption in story after story in the Bible. It is this theme that no matter what I'm going through, God sees me, God hears, 
Um, and in this case, in fact, if you're familiar with Emmanuel prayer, it's, uh, you know, I see you, I hear you, I know how big this is, I'm happy you're bringing it to me, I'm strong enough to do something about it. Well, that model actually is kind of anchored in the Passover here. Can you actually dwell on that briefly there? Because you, you just spelled it out, but if people don't know sure. what you're talking about... Um... Yeah, um, so Emmanuel Prayer is from the uh, book Joyful Journey that was uh, co-authored, you know, main authors, Dr. Jim Wilder. And the uh, idea is to practice a mutual mind state with God. How do I get my myself in sync with God's thoughts? And so the idea is to step out of your own perspective for a moment and put yourself in God's perspective of what he would be saying to you. And so the uh, the steps that they use are to write as if God is speaking to you, I see you, like I see you sitting at the table talking to your daughter, right? I see you, uh, I hear you. And that is, what is your heart request? What's going on inside? Like, I hear you asking, I'd really like to, you know, get free from this thing going on in my life. Um, and then it, I know is, I know how big this is. I know how long this has been going on. I know what this means to you. I, I, I get it. And those, all these steps are found in the Passover story. They're all found in Exodus. So when God sends Moses to the people, he says to him, I have seen my people's suffering. I have heard their groaning. I have heard their cry for help. You know, I know what's going on here. And then the idea is, I will be with you. So he doesn't use the word happy, but you get this with theme going through that. And then finally, clearly, my arm is not too short to save. I am strong enough to do something about this. And so I think it's, uh, for people who are familiar with the Emmanuel prayer uh, pattern, I think it's helpful to know the uh, connection it has uh, to the Passover account. Mm-hmm. And and so people can use this to uh, process things from just your daily connection to God all the way through yeah. Pressing into to freedom. Exactly. So mm-hmm. the the uh, it's meant to be a daily journaling process, but it can also be used as an emotional healing process. Beautiful. I like that we ended with that tool. Thank you so much, Father. You're welcome, daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the trail today. Did you like this episode? Would you like more people to see it? This is the part where I ask you to like, comment, subscribe, share with a friend, and hey. Do you love this channel? One of the best ways that you can support us is by becoming a Deeper Walk Trailblazer. Thanks again. We'll see you back on the trail next week.